Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside. As always, hello, Scott. Sean, what's happening? It's uh, nighttime as we're recording. We a little, you know, behind <laughs> the curtain here. We uh, we don't usually record this late, but uh, I, I don't know how how are you liking it? It's different, but I'll say we usually record four or five o'clock or something. That was our normal schedule during the mm-hmm. pandemic, at least. And at least at this time of year, it doesn't really change that much because it's still dark outside my window, regardless of if it's four thirty or eight o'clock. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I feel like I have to put my blinds down a little bit more. Uh, probably more people, more chance of people being outside. I don't know. But uh, you're right. It is dark. Uh, but I've already had dinner. So, you know, usually uh, my brain is like firing on all cylinders. But uh, now a lot of my energy might be devoted to digesting my food. So uh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well, uh, and uh, we don't hear any of that uh, process, Scott. Uh, you know, we are an audio show. Yes, yes. Hopefully, hopefully, and and also as an audio show, you, you can't see everybody. But I got my new glasses. Hey, how do they feel? Well, you know, I kind of miss my old glasses, but <laughs> uh, eh, I'm getting used to them. I'm getting used to them. Okay, they they are very similar style to your old glasses, Scott. Similar. They feel a bit bigger up and down ways. What is that? Mm. Vertically? Yeah. That is the that is the style of the time. That it is. That it is. But I'm ready to talk about curling. So Yeah, you know what else is the style of the time, Scott? Is Grand Slam of Curling. That is uh, in style right now. Oh <laughs> segue. As we just had one over the weekend. The Canadian Open was held in Camrose, Alberta. And let's just talk about the winners. Uh, team Fujisawa, Team Botcher. Scott, between the two winners, which one do you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about Fujisawa and her team, uh, as posted on uh, Twitter by, I think, the Grand Slam or Sportsnet or something, calling them the first Asian team to win uh, a Grand Slam event. Uh, it was pointed out that... Uh, Team uh, Wang Bingyu had won something, but uh, I guess that was before the current iteration of the Grand Slam. So pretty big deal, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It is a big deal. And maybe Sportsnet should count things that happened before they owned it. Uh, or maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Because then like some people would have 400 Grand Slam mm-hmm. victories. So, And who knows what a major <laughs> was before then? Of course, who knows what a major is now? So uh... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's... It's a pretty big accomplishment for a, a team from Asia to win one of these events, even though they've been competing in them for so long because because there's great teams from all over the world. Um, having not had a, a, a team from Asia win sort of surprised me already. Uh, like when I was thinking about it, I was like, really? They, they haven't? Like uh, one of the Korean women's teams hasn't won something. Even this team, I was like, oh, I'm surprised they haven't won something yet so like i say a pretty cool accomplishment great thing do you think it means anything going forward or is it just uh you know it's a good team that won a spiel 
uh, business as usual. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a good team that won a bond spiel. That's what happens. Yeah. And and I think, Scott, that's what all of these are. I don't think we've sure. necessarily overreacted to any one event. So maybe when Anna Hasselberg went on that run a few years ago of winning all of them, we mm-hmm. maybe made a big deal about that. But when you win one, like, yeah, it's, it's great accomplishment. Obviously, it's a great field. But you know, it's one, it's a spiel, right? It's a, it's a five day spiel and it's great that they won, but let's not, I don't think you can extrapolate any more out of it than this is really cool. We already know they're a good team. They were mm -hmm. in the playoffs at the Olympics, uh, won a medal, right? They, they win the bronze medal there. And so I I don't know. I I would argue that the bronze medal is a bigger deal than winning a slam, but that's me. Sure. Sure. And I think, the Tracy Flurry team, when they got put together and ended up having a really great year, I think it started at a slam. Mm-hmm. But you're right; this team is very accomplished, uh, medalist in the Olympics. Like they don't really have anything to prove to most curling fans. So, congratulations uh, for your win! I, a lot of money that will help uh, them in their season, I'm sure. But I think the other thing too with this particular slam for and in any of the international teams, well, maybe not all the international teams, because some of them are going to go play national championships now. Not all, but some. Japan and Korea, like they play theirs in the summertime. So mm-hmm. there's no, it's not like they're building to anything other than the world championship in a few months. Right. So the question now is with the Canadian teams shifting to playdowns and then the Scotties international teams like the Swiss nationals, the Scottish nationals, like those teams are going to have to go play those. Where are their games going to come from or what events are there to play? in? I assume that they'll go home for a bit. And there's obviously other great teams in Japan, great teams in Korea as well. Maybe some games with some Chinese teams. I don't know. I'm sure there are some spiels there that they will play in, but it's a question of do you keep, or how do you keep that momentum going? Whereas if you win the one in October, that's easier to springboard at least right. in a North American context, because that's where you have just so many more events in the season. It feels this time of year, maybe this is where you take a couple weeks off or do whatever you're going to do as you gear up for the world championship. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say this, whether or not they won this weekend or not, they're a playoff team at the world championship. Yeah. Especially in the context of six playoff teams. That's right. Uh, I know we've been doing that for four years already, but you know, I I still forget sometimes. So, yeah. And I I think maybe even more so than being impressed by the fact that they won, I think the way they won the final, like they were in total control of that game against Carrie Anderson. And that's hard to do against Carrie Anderson in any circumstance to just be in control of the end from the first end to the last. And Mm -hmm. uh, team Anderson was chasing the whole time. Val had a couple tough misses and it started in the first end where she threw a draw to the back 12 foot, which you really never see from her. So they struggled with the ice a little bit early and Fujisawa to their credit, they did not let them get back up off the mat. They -hmm. took that too early and that was it. They were off and running it. That maybe is more impressive than just the fact that they won the event. The way they won that last game with a very thorough post-to-post victory over arguably the best team in the world. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Anderson had some shots to you know capitalize on 
uh, her hammers and stuff, but missed them. And you're right, uh, Team Fujisawa didn't let them off the hook later on down the game because that's something that can easily happen, right? You get up and you th- maybe lose focus a bit, uh, but they didn't and uh, were great post to post, like you say. On the men's side, Brendan Botcher, this formation of the Botcher team, they get their first big event victory since they were put together in the summer. They come out victorious against someone. <laughs> uh, hold on. I, I was just looking at it, Sean. I they watched beat, some of that uh, game. Nicholas Adine. Yes. Uh, of course. Over a, victor- uh, over a returning Nicholas Adine who had a miraculous recovery from knee surgery. Uh, When we talked after the injury, there was speculation, and not us speculating idly, uh, from the reports that the world championship might be in jeopardy for him. And here he is playing at the slam. So a great return for him. Hopefully he's feeling okay after playing all weekend on that surgically repaired knee. It's got... Similar to the Fujisawa thing, as we just talked about, you don't want to make too, too much out of this for Brendan Botcher. Obviously, the four of them have won Grand Slams before, first Mm -hmm. time together. And I think for them, didn't really see the results that we thought early in the season. This is a nice win here, sets them up for the Alberta Playdowns. And going into those, and and remember, of course, Kevin Cooey is going to be there this year, which is always kind of fun to see that. Uh, If you're Mm -hmm. not, of course, a competitor in the Alberta men's playdowns, it's fun for the the rest of us uh, when both of those teams are there. So it's nice in in that respect. But same thing. Let's not necessarily overreact is is the way I feel. But how did you feel about them getting their first uh, or biggest win of the season? Well, Sean, they're a team that's, uh, they're interesting uh, from the context of, I find them like a little bit hard to root for, which is Mm. crazy because I like all of those guys. Ben Hebert and Mark Kennedy are super personable. Brett Gallant too, like great player. Um, And Brendan Botcher, obviously a great skip. I'm, I'm looking at their line scores, right? And they've given up. Three points, two points, two points, zero points, two points, three points. So they're playing this kind of low-scoring defensive style, it would seem. That's harder to like latch onto when you're tuning into a Grand Slam. Because I find when I want to watch the, the Grand Slam games, I just want there to be interesting angles and games and stuff. And when... They're lower scoring, especially in an eight end game. It's hard to, I don't know. It's hard to like get engaged with the game. Do you, do you find the same thing or? Yeah, a, a little bit. And I, th- cause one of the things that is talked about in the eight versus 10 end debate is, well, if they're going to blank ends in the 10 end game, just not play them. But the problem with the eight end game is if you get the hammer off the top and you burn a couple ends, it, it gets late really early. And if you have the hammer zero, zero fourth end, that's pretty good for you. So I, I almost think that the shorter game incentivizes to a certain degree going for those blanks. And for mm-hmm. Botcher in particular, obviously Brad Thiessen's a, a great player. Brett Gallant throws the high stuff, the high hard stuff, a little better, a little more accurately 
than Brad does. And I would say certainly, I mean, Mark Kennedy probably throws everything better than anybody else in the world, potentially yeah. uh, as a thrower. So, he's, you know, you, Darren, I think Darren likes to throw the hard ones. I would argue that Darren's greatest strength hitting wise is board hack weight. I think that's really, he's kind of in that Richard Hart mode for me where mm. he's really deadly with the lighter weights yeah, and yeah, can yeah. make the bigger ones. So with, for Brendan as a, a strategist, as a guy who isn't scared to go to the end of a game, I think zero zero if he has the hammer in the first end, those two guys, those changes in his lineup present that opportunity. It makes it more possible to do that than perhaps he had in years past. For sure. I, I While you were saying that, Sean, I was running the numbers. They've blanked 24% of the ends in which they've had the hammer. Wow. So I, I obviously there was a couple of games where it was like two one or whatever, right? Where it was more than the usual. Mm-hmm. But if they're getting hammer four times in an eight end game and they're blanking at least one of those, yeah. uh, you know, it's maybe it doesn't sound that bad that way, but uh yeah, it's uh I don't know. Yeah, and, and obviously not all blanks are created equal. We did see no, a no. couple blanks this weekend with double takeouts in the last shot and rolling out and all that. So they're not all created equal. But even exciting blanks aren't that exciting sometimes, you know? Yeah, they sort of leave you feeling like, oh. All that, all that. for nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and I'll bring up too, Sean. They did win the uh, uh, Okotoks Classic, yep. ATB Okotoks earlier in the year so which had a pretty high <clears throat> uh, points available on it so it was a big win not uh not as big as the grand slams but uh so it wasn't their first but yeah it maybe not the uh, roaring start that we expected from this team yeah and certainly they'll get into the briar one way or the other with the three wildcard mm-hmm. teams they'll have a spot it's just a question of are they team alberta are they a wildcard team do they even mm-hmm. care uh whether or not you're that like it doesn't really affect the seating necessarily in terms of what pool you're going to be in yeah. so uh, you know they're gonna it's not to say they're not gonna try obviously you're gonna try in the provincial championship but i don't know it does take a little bit of the steam out of it unfortunately for me that the yeah sean we talked uh, I, I think we talked in the off season about the idea of naming those wildcard teams ahead of provincials and your point was that the provincial associations wouldn't go for it because they couldn't sell tickets to some of their play downs yeah i I think that is the case that the provinces like having everybody there don't necessarily Mm -hmm. care if the team that loses is still going to go to the national championship because they're not running it so that's right yeah you know, and, and I, I do know that the provincial associations, some of them, at least, well, uh, Manitoba, Ontario, Alberta, like it because they're and Manitoba, Alberta, more so than Ontario, are going to get more than one team in every year. Mm-hmm. So it helps the provincial association that way as well. So yeah. the, the compromise that has been struck on that regard, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon because currently Canada has made it a permanent change. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. mean... I'd like to see that one year, maybe try it mm-hmm. before, but anyway. Well, Scott, talking about territorial provincial playdowns, we have some champions in the books here as we look ahead to the Scotties and to the Briar. 
this past weekend out in Chilliwack, Clancy Grandy, newly British Columbian team, she beat Corinne Brown. Corinne Brown in the final of the BC Playdowns in Alma, Quebec. Laurie St. George gets through third time at the Scotties for her first provincial champion. First provincial championship because she was decided by curling Quebec during yeah. the bubble. And then again, last year when they couldn't run play down. So for as much as we're like, Oh, like she's a bit of a Scotty's vet now. First purple heart. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Pretty cool that, uh, that she finally gets her first. Yeah. Up North Haley Bernie won Yukon familiar name there. It'll be nice to see her back at a Scotty's and Carrie Galusha had to travel all the way up to Inuvik to get the Northwest Territories Championship going a cool 8-0 and there. She is now one Scotty's appearance shy, or will be after this year, of tying Colleen Jones's record for most Scotty's appearances at 19. And before Christmas, we had Nunavut decided as Bridget, Bridget McPhail won that championship and uh we've of course seen her before and obviously carrie anerson will be there as team canada so scott at this point we have six teams decided for the scotty's tournament of hearts again carrie anderson clancy grandy laurie st george Haley bernie carrie galusha bridget mcphail how many playoff teams do you think we have so far Playoffs or championship pool? Oh, yeah. Championship pool. Yeah, that's different now, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've got two championship pool contenders out of that six. Okay. The one I, I wanted to say two things about these playdowns. The first is that Carrie Galusha, based on line scores, may have played into the 10th end once. <laughs> She's really good. Uh, yeah, it was it was like a real uh, uh, beatdown. But the they had some struggles with the the ice plant there uh, up in Inuvik, so there were some delays with the games, and they had to uh, sort of play all their games on the last day. Good on them for uh, for winning that event. Uh, it's never easy to win a provincial or territorial championship. And in the BC Scotties, Sean, this is like really something because Corinne Brown scored five points in the third end wow, and went up five to three. I don't know about you, but if I give up a five, uh, I, I don't necessarily always put my head down and uh, <laughs> start grinding back away. But mm. uh, credit to Clancy Grandy and her team, uh, young team there out of Vancouver and just kept going, kept going and managed to win in an extra pretty devastating. I I'd say for Corinne Brown um, was the favorite, the class of the field going in to have that sort of slip through her fingers. It'll be tough to, to rebound. I don't think she'll be in the mix for a wildcard spot. Uh, no, she's not, she's not from Manitoba. So, so no, she probably, <laughs> so no, probably. Won't. Yeah. I mean, which is too bad because they're a, a really good young team. Nice to see them sort of progress and, and get better year, year over year. Um, that said, Clancy Grandy's team, again, a, another young team uh, that she's taken on the, the skip role for and uh, 
you know, new faces is never bad either. So, uh, but a pretty interesting game in that final there. Yeah. I think it helps if you give up five, if you're up three, nothing already. Right. I, I yeah. think it's easier to park if, all right, you got this three, nothing lead. You're like, Oh man, I was up three, nothing. Oh damn. But yeah. you're in the game. You're down two with the hammer, right? You're, you're in a position where you can come back and win that game. Uh, in terms of playoffs or, or championship pools, I think we have three, three, maybe four teams that will challenge. Remember, Kerry Galusha made it into that pool last year, and you just oh yeah, I forgot Grandy. I, I forgot about Kerry Anderson too. So sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think she might have a chance to make it into the championship pool if they get a couple lucky breaks, uh, key misses from the other side <laughs> at big points. Maybe they can sneak in there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we, and, and when we look at those teams, right, we obviously haven't decided the the heavy hitters mm-hmm. so far of Alberta, Manitoba, and I don't know if Ontario still counts as a heavy hitter outside of Rachel Holman at this point. Uh, there are some teams coming up that might get to that point. Uh, but we're not quite yeah. there yet. So we, we still have those three ones to decide. Obviously, Kristen McCarville could be coming out of Northern Ontario. A really good team there. Saskatchewan mm-hmm. is kind of open now. Robin Silvernagel is back in the mix. Sherry Anderson, I assume, will play because that's what Sherry Anderson does. Yeah. Uh, and then out east, obviously, Andrea Kelly made the playoffs last year. Uh, got to yeah. Sunday. So that's a team that could threaten. Suzanne Burke can win games. Uh, she comes out of PEI. I think we're looking at a pretty good field uh, with mm-hmm. the teams that we already have decided. This should be a fun event. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Scotties. Uh, you know, as you say, your favorite event of uh, yeah. of the season uh, for me too, it's uh, it's right up there and it's the first one, right? So it's, you're kind of like, Oh yeah. Like curling is on three times a day. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the only problem, as somebody who lives in Eastern Time, it's in Kamloops. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't think about that, Sean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, whatever. I'll be tired for <laughs> a week. No big deal. There you go. That's yeah. a spirit. Uh, on the men's side, Brad Gushu, of course, will be there as Team Canada. Jacques Gauthier. Formerly, of course, of Manitoba, won a World Junior Curling Championship. He picked up the other three players that Tyler Tardy used to play with. They go and win British Columbia with Jacques as the import there. Felix Aslan, he wins Quebec, so he will be heading back to the Briar. Second year in a row that he will be throwing the final stones at the Briar. First time there as the skip. Whitehorse, uh, out of Whitehorse, Thomas Scoffin wins UConn again. And Jake Higgs, another familiar name that we've seen before, he will be coming out of Nunavut making a return appearance. So hmm. there's only one so far rookie squad for the Briar. Now, of course, still a lot of teams to be determined, but that rookie squad, Scott, should be a lot of fun to see given each of their respective pedigrees. They've all one Canadian junior championship, world junior championships, not mm-hmm. together, the four of them, but that's going to be a fun addition to the Briar field. Yeah. Big time, big time. They beat Brent Pierce in the final, who was last year's representative out of BC. 
I'll, I'll give a plug here for John Cullen's Substack. If you uh, are interested in hearing Cullen talk about curling stuff, he's got a, a Substack newsletter. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to that. He was uh, he was at the event as the fifth for a team whose name I, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but uh, th- they uh, didn't make it too, uh, <laughs> too far. <laughs> Uh, and then was broadcasting the event too. So it has a lot of good insights in that newsletter about uh, the week that was in BC. And you're right, Sean, having Jacques Cotier and this team in the field, I think is going to be great uh, to sort of revitalize some of the, the the field at the Briar. That's, you know, Matt Dunstone's team sort of started that. Brendan Botcher sort of, populating the the younger ranks of the curling world but uh, seeing even more of it is going to be great especially at the start of a quad where you know this could set the table for the next four years it's going to be fun yeah we saw it with on the women's side the past couple years with Mackenzie Zacharias and her team making Mm -hmm. that debut appearance in the bubble and then last year improving on that Uh, we'll see what happens they're going to be the favorites out of BC if they stay together for a few years at the very least. So if they can get these return appearances, they could certainly do some damage out of BC. And we'll get more BC games on our TVs, which is good. I like the BC logos for yeah, these events. Yeah, their colors are great. Yeah. Another piece of news as we head into playdown season, Mike McEwen had a lineup shuffle. Jonathan Buke is no longer with the squad. They all wish each other well in their future endeavors. Uh, So there you go. That's a thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, No real insight into why. Nobody said anything. They're just not playing together anymore. Things happen. So Joey Hart is going to step into the team to play lead for the Ontario Playdowns. If that name sounds somewhat familiar to you, that's because he was the fifth at the 2016 Briar for Team Glenn Howard. You say, wait, how does he know Glenn Howard? That's because he's Richard Hart's kid. And Richard Hart is going to be there as the coach for the team. So the Hearts are back in business in Ontario here, Scott. I don't know if this, and this isn't any disrespect to Joey Hart. I would probably say this for any front-end shakeup at this time of year. I don't know if it really moves the needle or changes betting odds for who's going to win the Briar, but... It is a change in Ontario for a team that you would expect to be in the playoffs and a real threat to win the Ontario Tankard. Absolutely, yeah. And I think the the coaching addition is as big a one as uh, as the player, you know, playing lead. So it's they're not I don't think they're going to be the favorites out of Ontario, but they they're like you say a favorite to make the playoffs. Uh, no doubt. So uh, I don't know, Sean, does this count as our uh, bold prediction that uh, some team will break up messily? Was, I don't know if it, it was messy, messy when you wish yeah, everyone well. Yeah, I don't know if it's messy enough. I mean, it was abrupt, certainly. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you know, I think I haven't heard anything from Jonathan Buke yet. And mm. the team statement was nice. So I don't, I don't know if it counts as messy. Okay. Okay. It's not well timed. No, no. Maybe maybe we can talk to Jonathan about uh, about betting or something, and uh, <laughs> you know, see if see if anything slips. 
<laughs> or even just lead him along. So, you know, that uh, McEwen fellow. <laughs> see, see if he, see if he bites. If we just make something up, you know, the way yeah. they, they, the way they do on reality shows. You know, Mike McEwen said that he hated you. <laughs> what is your response? Like, just totally lie or, you know, do something like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could totally lie. Uh... <laughs> we're not journalists. <laughs> you know, we try to be accurate. But we're not journalists. Yeah, there you go. I, I took a journalism course once. Oh damn it! So. We can't do it now. Now we have to. Oh, we boy. have to try to be as accurate as we can. Still, come on. Now we need integrity. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. So uh, that is the news on the provincial playdown front. Another piece of news: things that's going on right now out in beautiful Lake Placid. New York, it is the World University Games. Canada is competing on both sides. And a bit of a struggle so far for the Canadian women. Abby Marks and her team, they sit at three and five. They are potentially in line to get into a playoff spot if things go really right for them. But it's going to be a long haul and probably unlikely, unfortunately, for them to make it in on the Men's side, however, a little better for Owen Purcell and his team. They are five and two at the moment, tied for second place with the Americans and the Swiss, but the Koreans and Swedes right on their heels at four and three. Uh, really mashed up there in the middle, in part because Brazil and the Czech Republic are both 0 and 7. So mm. teams are getting those two wins and then kind of beating up on each other a little bit. But hopefully for Owen Purcell and his team, they can get into the playoffs. He's made a few really nice ones. He made, there was a, a guard just over the hog line and he made an absolute perfect run back to a stone on the button uh, to score there. So he, he's made some beauties there, as is Abby Marks too. It's just uh, things have gone a little worse for her. But uh, well done for those two teams showing out well for Canada so far in Lake Placid. Yeah, absolutely. What What is the playoff format, Sean? Do you know? I think it's four teams, semifinals, final. Semifinals, final. That's what yeah. I think it is, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was looking uh, at, at the standings. And yeah, there's a chance to sneak in there into the tiebreaker for the playoffs but uh unlikely at this yes. time that's for sure yeah long odds uh for sure there for abby marks but uh, again no shame uh in in what they've done at all so no doubt no doubt and finally scott we have a listener question all right so this is from philip west and uh, philip my apologies for not getting back to you sooner but i wanted to do this on the show because I thought it'd be interesting for other people. It's a relevant question, I think, for, for anyone. And uh, we recorded two in one day. So we haven't actually recorded in a while. So uh, here's this question. So from Philip, he's bringing his 14-year-old daughter to the Briar this year. Neither of them has ever been. And he says that his daughter has never been to Canada at all. So do we have any recommendations for what they should do? definitely do like things that they should make sure that they do noting that they will only be there for draws 13 to 18. Okay. So you're at the back half of the draw, right? Yeah. You'll be in championship pool category or will that still be? I think it's, isn't it 
each so f- seven draws per pool so i think 14 is the last of the preliminary play so so they're bridging okay. between the two perfect perfect okay uh that'll be good sean my first uh, instinct for what you have to do is that you have to go to the patch and play a uh, tabletop yeah curling shuffleboard uh in there get on one of those tournaments they're a lot of fun um and they're they're fun for everybody right uh don't take long you get to try your hand at shuffleboard curling pretty good yeah definitely sign up for those i believe they call it crazy curl there mm-hmm. uh, i think that's sort of the branded name of it and if you show up i would say if you play your cards right but that's not true because it's it's likely that you will play Fred Cooey, Earl Morris, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody like that. Uh, so definitely sign up for the Crazy Curl events uh, between the draws there at the patch. I assume in London it will be in that room it was for the Continental Cup. So you don't have to go outside, hopefully, if it's in that same space. I don't know if that space yeah. was big enough for a briar patch or not, but hopefully, uh, either way, it'll be close enough that you will be able to walk. Uh, I think they've figured that out. Curling Canada has. So definitely go to the patch for the afternoon draws. Even at that point, there will still be the face to face. Hopefully this comes back this year, the autograph session or the up close and personal definitely check out at least one of those because it's mm-hmm. really fun to see the players on the stage and, and chatting. And some of the questions are about curling, some of them, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of cool to get a sense of their personality. If they're, now those are determined in advance who it's going to be. So look at the schedule that they have at the patch. Like if there's someone you really want to see, then obviously check them out. But I would recommend it even if there's no one who you're especially a fan of, like they're, they're really good sessions. Uh, the autograph yeah. sessions can be fun. You get a quick hello with the the players. You can... <clears throat> shake their hand, get a photo, whatever it is you want. So hopefully those are all back for you to do those. Mm -hmm. And I would also say the concourse. There's a lot, like I think people sleep, including us sometimes, on the curling event concourse. Like there's a sneaky good amount of stuff to do up there. There's obviously all the concessions Mm -hmm. in that. But there is usually like a floor curl up there or whatever curling Canada's vendor approved vendor is where you can test out like the curling brooms and stuff. Like there's usually some activities up there on the concourse. So certainly check those out. And in terms of the games themselves, if you've never been to live curling before, it could be a little overwhelming to see the four games going at once. So I think everyone develops their own strategy over time mine does tend to be to focus for the most part on one game and glance over at other sheets while there's breaks in play if there's a discussion or something tends to be my strategy other people like to just sort of go shot to shot look side to side so just figure out what works best for you but be prepared to be overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. trying to follow the action it's very different than on tv obviously and it can be difficult to follow the four at once. Yeah. One thing that I'd suggest is uh, during the daytime draws, which usually have much fewer people there, 
take advantage of sort of walking around yeah. and checking out different games from different vantage points. Uh, I, I would say I've never been, you know, seat checked at a curling event before. Uh, so, you know, just go and try sitting for an end in one seat and then for the next end, go to a different seat. Yeah. Uh, maybe try watching from behind and see if that's better. Try getting up really close to the point where you can hear the skips talking to their teams about what the strategy is. If you want to learn a little bit more about strategy, uh, that's always really good to do. And like I say, during the daytime, it's a lot easier to uh, to move around and sit pretty much wherever you like. Uh, but I think that's the most interesting thing to me about watching curling live is being able to get down close and really hear what's going on strategy wise. Uh, that said, there's also at all the events we've been to, you can purchase a little radio tuner that will be tuned to the TSN broadcast. So uh, if you want, you can, you know, just put it on one ear and walk around and have the TSN crew in your ear if that helps you to follow the game. That does really mean you have to focus on the TV game. Uh, it's harder yeah. to focus on other games with that in your ear. But uh, yeah, those are some tips that I've I've got. Yeah, another thing you could, in theory, do, depending on, say, how much data you have. Like, if you have unlimited data, you could always stream the game on your phone, too. Now, it's going to be delayed, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, but that, that's another option if you want to get the broadcast in your ear. But, yeah, I totally agree. Get up, move around, see the game from different angles. Morning draw is the easiest to do that. Afternoon draw, for sure, uh, should be available to you. Evening draw can depend. Later in the week, it's a little harder especially if the home team is playing. You know, yeah, Sean, when we, when we were in Kingston there, uh, it, it was pretty jam-packed by, yeah. uh, by the end. So uh, tougher to do for the night draw, but it, the daytime draws should be no problem. Yeah, and, and I misspoke earlier. I, I said if it's the same as the Continental Cup, I'm thinking that it was in the same building. It's not. It's, it's over at the Gardens. It's not where the Continental Cup oh, was. Yeah. It's, it's at the bigger right. building. So... I don't know where the patch might be, but I hope it's not a, a bus. Like I hope it's a walk. Yeah. It, in Kingston, they put it in the parking lot just yeah. opposite the, the arena. So uh, I think there's a room like that in London. If I'm remembering the gardens correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And you know, in terms of patching, I mean, if you have a 14 year old, the evening draw ends at 10 o'clock. So you're probably not going to want to go to the patch anyway, but I mean, I don't really like the post-night draw patch. It's very loud in there. It's very loud. They get the yeah. live music going. Uh, but the during the day, in between morning, afternoon, and afternoon, evening, it gets a little rowdier uh, in the evening, but not uncomfortably rowdy. Uh, but certainly between the morning and afternoon draw, if there's probably – I don't think they do up-close and personals at that point of the day. They might do an autograph session. Up-close and personals tend to be after the afternoon draw. Mm -hmm. because the teams are done the teams that are coming to do are done for the day and uh, after the morning draw none of the teams are done yet so uh, maybe a little less likely for them to do that so look out for the schedule but i would say yeah just make the most of of that and in terms of the sound you scott you talked about listening to the skips you can get close enough to listen to the skips mm -hmm. the thing that always stands out to me live is the sound of the sweeping they can make so much noise they're so strong these players yeah that the sound of the brushing really stands out to me. So I would certainly 
pay attention to that and pay attention to other little things like how they the players are releasing the stone, how they're so positive. They're getting so much spin. Count the rotations yeah. of the handle compared to if you play yourself, how many rotations you or, or a typical player at the recreational level, level gets. It, it really is a different experience. If you have a stopwatch, timing the stones from – the when they kick out to the hog or hog to hog that's that's a lot of fun where you can kind of try to trace the ice map the ice yourself and follow along with the players a lot of people like to do that so kind of just get into the game uh, as much as you can and and it's it's different it really is different Uh, so that that's kind of the best advice in terms of a 14 year old coming to canada for the first time i don't know london well enough to say you definitely have to do this. You definitely have to do that. But certainly I'm sure there's a lot of really fun stuff in London. The, the hotel at the armory is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. the, I, I think the players will be staying at the armory. I, I feel like they did when we were there for the continental cup, because okay. I went to get some beer downtown and saw them. Okay. Yes, I saw them at the Ale House, which I I don't think I'd recommend. It's it's kind of whatever. Right. Uh, coming to Canada for the first time, though, you got to get some Tim Hortons donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Caramel bar. Caramel bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ketchup uh, chips. Eat some ketchup chips for sure. For sure that. All dressed uh, chips. I believe all dressed are Canadian too. That's right. They are. And try to find some good poutine yeah london i don't know if they're gonna have great poutine but uh as long as there's as long as it's cheese curds that's really the key anyone who yeah. tries to pass off grated cheese is yeah, a liar that's ridiculous. and uh can get out it's, it's a liar yeah yeah so i think those are our, our main tips for going to a curling event for the first time yeah if uh Maybe Steph will have uh, some better London tips than we do. Yeah. Uh, And so we can let you know on next week's podcast if there's any hot London tips. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that helps with your planning a little bit, Philip. And uh, thanks for reaching out. And if anyone else has ideas for Philip on what a first timer at a curling event should be doing, certainly let us know and we will talk about it in future episodes. And if you want to listen to those future episodes, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that stuff helps other people find the show and keeps us growing. Of course, follow along on social media at Game of Stones Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook. Head over to GameofStonesPod.com. All of our past episodes are there and you can reach out Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Scott, we have been back on the ice for a couple games since the last time we chatted. And I feel comfortable talking about this because it's in the past. It's nothing okay, I have to good. continue. Nothing in the future. The first 13 ends that I played this season, this or this year, 2023, did not give up a point. And you could say, well, okay, Jason Gunlickson does that. But the difference is that we were trying to score which uh, isn't always the case. So yeah, I don't think I've ever had a run like that. And you were part of nine of those ends. 
That's have right. you ever had a, a run of even of the nine ends without giving up a point? I, I mean, the only time I can remember having such a dominant stretch, not necessarily giving up zero points, uh, was when my friend Zoe wanted me to join a learn to curl league with her. Uh, when we lived in Vancouver, I would say 16 or more years ago. Uh, and we, so we played Saturdays at Marple and there was times when I would say, you know, like, okay, let's just hit this one or whatever. And we had a guy play third for us whose name was Eugene and Eugene would always say, but Scott, if you put another one in there, they'll be devastated. (laughs) And I was like, well, am I trying to devastate someone on a Saturday morning? You know, we're already up by many, many points. Uh, I I think I'm good, Eugene. So, uh, you know, playing that uh, in that league with uh, Zoe and Eugene, you know, uh, we we had some dominant streaks, but uh, nothing really compared to uh, what we had earlier this year given the level of competition against which we played right yeah it was uh two good teams that we played on the monday and a uh, pretty good team on the, the thursday that i played against and just got a lot of breaks like a, a ton of breaks uh certainly yeah. on the thursday so i was i was happy when the streak came to an end on monday and gave up a point because then i feel no pressure of thursday when i go play tomorrow night of being like yeah oh, no, like they could score four in the first inning. Like, well, at least the streak was over. So be it. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. felt uh, I've I felt really good uh, playing this year, especially since the the break. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm hitting the broom and throwing the right weight. And what more can you really do, right? I we we had a shot, uh, sort of hack weight hit on a rock that was half buried. Yep. Uh, and. Uh, once I made that, I was like, yeah, okay, I get, I get this. I, I know the ice, I know the, the speed and uh, yeah, didn't look back. Yeah. And, and you hate to put too much pressure on early shots, but I think that was the game really. I think so. Yeah. They, you know, I, I would say our level, that's a steal at least half the time, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe even more on where that rock was. And uh, yeah, you made the, the beautiful shot, get the multiple. And that was that really like, yeah, which is weird because it was the second end, but yeah, yeah, it, it felt good. For yeah, sure. second, I would blank the first, get that multiple, and then we were off to the races. I feel like uh, Jesse, who we play with, in the fifth, sixth end, felt we were getting maybe a little too cute <laughs> at times. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> with what we were doing, he was like, yeah, we're fine, we're going to win. Um, so we got maybe a little loose uh, yeah. on some of the strategy calls, but hey, it happens sometimes. Well, you know, Sean, I, I was just like, well, it's working. Like, yeah, our our draws are working. Like, let's just play more of them. Let's yeah. get cocky, you know? Yeah. Let's so. step on the throats. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a good run. And yep. we hope to continue it and not fall prey to our, our curse that we did earlier. No, this but again, year. this is over. It's over. It, it already was broken. Nothing to worry about in terms of that. And, uh, you know, it could show up, I can show up tomorrow night and, uh, doesn't matter. At least I have this in my back pocket. We could lose 10, nothing. Exactly. Be like, well, 
I didn't give up a point for 13 ends. So I'm still, I'm still plus on the year. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's got a nice buffer there. So yeah. uh, there you go. So we've been having some good games. If you've been out there playing, hope you have as well. And we'll be back with you next week to talk a lot more curling, but until then keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.